Forty going on fourteen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Forty Going On Fourteen, and welcome to Octobu. And I'm Patrick. I'm Joe. And I'm Josh. And this week on uh, week two of Octobu, we're going to be talking about Dahmer. And I struggled a little bit with this because it's real hard to find a cannibal joke that isn't in bad taste. I'm Mike. Uh... <laughs> We'll fix that in post. No, we won't. No, we won't. I got so excited for October. (laughs) (laughs) Only been doing this the same way for 10 years. Mike decides to improvise at the top of the show. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So for the to go in contrast with the Disney-esque look of Halloween and horror of uh, Hocus Pocus that we did last week, Joel decided to choose... Man-made horrors beyond our comprehension. <laughs> it's relevant. I appreciate the, like, uh, whiplash tone shift. Yeah, right? Because, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer was running amok, 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 amok. Oh Yikes. I'm just going to put your personal phone number in the show notes, Joel, so I can just call you directly for this one. Who? Everybody. Yeah, you know, whoever. Whoever. You know. If you're, text instead of call, please. I'm so tempted right now. <laughs> no, no, do not. But yes, if you would like to get in touch with us and uh, give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP, that's 708-669-9727. You can also join the conversation on our Discord by clicking the Join Us link in the show notes and join us in conversation on all sorts of cool things. It was popping off today, man. Discord. Yeah, what, what was the chat today? There was something. Was it? There was something going on that my phone was dinging at me all day while I was at work. Yeah, I was driving around to uh, take Isaiah. Well, to I posted some and... stuff in the in the in the trivia thing. Yeah, mm. oh yeah, we have we have a new channel just for trivia that Patrick made. Not trivia. That we've had the trivia one. Yeah, but then Patrick created another channel for just movies and TV, but not spoilers. No, Pat made the trivia. Yeah, I made both. Trivia ones new. Yeah. Yep. They're both new. Yeah, trivia one's pretty new too. Yeah. Yeah. But in the meantime, we actually have a voicemail this week. <gasps> what? Bum, bum, bum. Yes. Excited. Yeah, people got in touch with us. So nice. Unknown caller. Have you checked on the children lately? Nice. Well, thank you. I like that. The voicemail's coming from inside the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I have not. I, I haven't either. I mean, they're pretty much adults at this point, so... Pat doesn't have any that he knows of. Same. But yes, that is a call out too. We are going to be doing When a Stranger Calls later on this month. So Yeah. We got a we got a packed October. Lots of cool stuff happening. But in the meantime, I think it is about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And skulls. So this calls. week, I'm 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 surprised you didn't go with for the, uh, the 1991 date, Pat. For I was just to be in bad taste. Just yeah, just to anticipate the day that they caught Dahmer was the day that we were doing the tweet. But no, it's <laughs> June well, when 24th. I, when I found enough to do this one, yeah, I decided to go ahead and stick with it. But I, I did think about doing something like that, like the date of his first kill or something like that. But yeah, so June 21st, 2002, the release of Dahmer. Uh, question, Patrick, is that a typo or is that actually how it's spelled, the song title, before I start? It's not a typo. 
That's not a typo. That is correct. That is how it is spelled. Interesting. Okay. All right. So the number one song in the land was Hot in Here by Nelly. Did I say it right? Pretty much, yeah. So. Yeah. All right. H-E-R-R-E. H-E-R-R-E. Like, H-E-R-R-E. Hot in Hera by Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think Nelly was German. Let's get the Hatten Hera. Let's take that for our lederhosen. I think it's very interesting that Google did not, does not have the, the squiggly line underneath it because it knows that that's how it's supposed to be spelled. Oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. Good call. Huh. Well, I'm learning stuff. All right. So moving on. Hall of Fame bassist for the legendary UK rock band The Who, John Entwistle, died at age 57 of an apparent heart attack on June 27th in a Las Vegas hotel room. The Who was to begin an extensive North American tour at the Las Vegas Hard Rock Hotel the following night. He was the second member of the original lineup to die after drummer Keith Moon decades earlier and was absorbed. Although he died in a much less rock and roll fashion than Keith. Who, Keith and Moon. Whistle? Yes. Well, it, I mean, it was it was a drug overdose slash heart attack, they say. So. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it, yeah. it, it not, as, not as bad as puking on your own, puking on your own choke. <laughs> right when you puke on your own choke it's really bad now you gotta hose off the lawnmower right choke on that apple moving on <laughs> russell donald freeman was a bebop and jazz pianist and composer initially freeman was a classically trained pianist but his reputation as a jazz pianist grew in the 1940s after working with art pepper and shorty rogers he played with charlie parker on the 1947 home cooking jazz session Numerous collaborations followed in the 1950s with Chet Baker, Shelley Mann, and Art Pepper. Clifford Brown and Dude Sims, who is more apparently. He died in oh. Vegas on <laughs> June 26th and was absorbed. Forgot to delete that first and, obviously. Knocking all That's... the death out in the first one, huh? Right. You think this is Octobu? All right. And finally, the first Bonnaroo Music Festival was held in Tennessee June 21st through 23rd. Performers included Widespread Panic, Government Mule, and Nora Jones. It's an interesting lineup. How, and how in the hell did that catch on? No, it included Nora Moore. Oh. Yeah. How, so, how, how, did, three. How, how did this music festival catch on if those are your <laughs> three main like, draws? Because like, you how, think how was there a Bonnaroo panic, Everyone's like, all right, we're good. We can leave now. Yeah. That, that song was 12 minutes long. We're done. Okay. I'm not going to stick around for Nora Jones. How Government the hell is there a Bonnaroo too? Is all I'm asking. Yeah, guy, uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, see, I I actually own the Nora Jones CD from 2002. I was yeah, I like pretty, Nora Jones. But yeah, I, I've never bothered to see her in concert. That's not That's not true. a real big Venn diagram of music well, fans, right there. Because widespread panic runs with the you know the jam band crowd. Government Mule runs with the kind of Southern fried rock crowd, and Nora Jones runs with kind of the adult contemporary jazz pseudo pop crowd so it's a weird i think that was the thing about bonnaroo is it was just like you know this is music not necessarily uh a hardcore music festival or an alternative music festival it's just like we're gonna just bring these bands that we think are good if you like music more generally i I might be in that venn diagram where you're just like okay I i don't care what genre it is if the music is good i'll be there for it I subscribe to the Ray Charles theory of music. There's only two types of music, good music and bad music. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. I always yeah. say there's no guilty pleasures because, you know, as long as you like it. I mean, it, I, then... I believe in genres, obviously, but like I don't necessarily stick to any genres. Like I, if it's a good song, I'll listen to it. I, I, and think I we believe all... in guilty pleasures. <laughs> I think we all fall in that category, you know, for the most part. 
Well, I just mean, when I say there's no guilty pleasure, I mean, there's no reason to feel guilty about enjoying something, if you like it. Oh, there's definitely reasons to feel guilty. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you're underestimating the potential depths of depravity. <laughs> Wait, who are you talking to? Well, I mean, oh, you. Anyway. I know. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, moving on to movies. <laughs> Please. The number one movie in the land was Scooby-Doo the Movie, a live-action CGI adventure comedy which was the first installment in the Scooby-Doo live-action film series. From a screenplay by James Gunn, it starred Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Gellar, Matthew Lillard, Linda Cardellini, Ilsa Fisher, and Rowan Atkinson. Is it Isla or Ilsa? I'm, not, I'm never sure. I always say Ilsa. It's, but... it's, it's Isla. Is, it's... Isla. Is it Isla? Oh, Isla okay. Fisher. I've, you know, I've only ever seen it in print. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, interesting fact, you know who she's married to? Sasha Baron Cohen. There you go. Yeah, I was just going to say, isn't she married to Sasha Baron Cohen? Huh. Hmm. That, was a, that was a fun movie. It was not that bad. It was actually it was all right. enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Much better than I was expecting. Speaking of much better than I'm expecting. <laughs> and th- there may be some debate on this point. Minority Report was released this week, which knocked off Scooby-Doo from the number one spot. I personally believe that movie is unfairly maligned, and it is much better than most people say it is. I like Minority Report. I like Tom Cruise, and I like sci-fi, and I thought that wasn't that bad a movie. I I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. It Yeah, there are definitely a couple of plot hole logic gaps, especially near the end. But that movie gets shit on a lot, and I think it's a lot better than people give it credit for. Agreed. All right. Oh, yeah. Minority Report is based off a novella by who? William H. Philip Dick. Philip K. Dick. Oh. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Joel flipped a coin. He just <laughs> right. <laughs> if you don't know, those are the two you guess. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Anthony. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing you don't know why that's controversial. Yeah. It's like, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> just uh, if, if you wonder why we're all making noises, Google that author. Yeah. But don't do it now. Yeah. And don't talk All right. about it, no. Lilo and Stitch, the 42nd Disney animated feature film, was released on June 21st. Written and directed by Chris Sanders and Dean DeBlois, I guess, in their That's directorial debut. It features Dave Chase and Sanders as the voices of the title characters. Other voices included Tia Carrere, David Ogden Steers, Kevin McDonald's, Ving Rames, Jason Scott Lee, and Kevin Michael Richardson. I love this movie. I've never seen it. You've never seen oh, it? Oh, it's one of my so favorite good. Goodness. And it, it almost was not made. And like, I get why there was pushback, but like the story of how this one was made is just on its own, a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. And the character design, uh, Chris Sanders is actually the guy who drew the, uh, the characters and he's got a very nice tropical uh, style to his stuff. Very distinct. Yeah, you know a Sanders image when you see it. And he gets kind of saucy. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Apparently, 2002, this month in particular, was a uh, the month for underrated films. Oh. Yeah, things that maybe shouldn't have worked, but did. Oh, yeah. So, TV. Top shows in the land were CSI, Crime Scene Investigation, Friends, Joe Millionaire, and American Idol. Man. That tracks. Yeah. yeah. 
Like, you know, it I can see, be. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, when I see Friends still showing up in 2002 and then don't realize how friggin' long that show went on. I think that was its last season, 2002. Was it? I, I forgot about Joe Millionaire. Yeah, well, right? Yeah. And what I was going to say is it's kind of hard sometimes to tell the difference between the long period between the year 2000 and like 2012 or 2015. But like, I think this encapsulates the difference between the early 2000s and like closer to 2010. Mm-hmm. Just like, it's okay. Yeah, that's, that's early 2000s right there. Joe Millionaire and American Idol. I don't it even was remember a Joe dark time. Joe Millionaire was the one where, you know, the, the women came on and they were just going to, you know, marry the man who was the millionaire and he got to pick one in like the season, the series finale. Oh, was the was marriage. Like, was that like the first of that, of these stupid get married? Yeah. On yeah. Shows? Like you're going to, yeah. We're, you're going to get married at the end of this show. That was a very, this was the very first one. Yeah. Now, did um, they know he was a millionaire or not? That's what I can't remember. He technically was a millionaire, but not, he didn't have like a million in, in actual like liquid assets. Dollars. Yeah. Like he he had a million dollars between like the amount of money he had in the bank and some of his uh, some of his assets. He was a comedian who like had 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 a couple pilots and you know sold some jokes and was a writer here and there. But like he wasn't like you know loaded by any stretch. What he had pilot? A, he had two million buy one get one free coupons. Yeah. If I remember correctly, Dav- her name was Dava Cox, the woman that won, if, and and she made more money posing for Playboy later than she did by marrying him. Wow. All right. So moving on, Nancy Addison Altman was an American actress noted for her appearances in soap operas. She first attracted notice for playing Kit Vested. Kit Vested. Yeah, we'll go with that. On Guiding Light, but she's best known for her role as Jillian Coleridge on the soap opera Ryan's Hope. I don't know that soap opera, but then I get on to watch soap opera. So there you go. Uh, which she played for over twelve years, beginning with the show's premiere in 1975. She left the show early in 1988, but returned later for its final episodes in 1989. She also has appeared on All My Children, Loving, and The City. She's co-starred in... Th- <laughs> Sorry, it took me a moment. That wasn't actually Loving in the City. It was Loving and The City. She co-starred in three, three-part... Hey, wait. She co-starred in the three-part television miniseries The Dane Curse and the long-running television series Law & Order in different roles on various episodes. In 1999, she was diagnosed with cancer of her adrenal gland and bronchial tubes, yikes, which claimed her life on June 18th at age 56. Woof. That's a terrible way to go out. Yeah, that's a good turn. Yikes. Yeah. All right. Hopefully this will be more fun. On June 18th, FX broadcast a lost episode of Married with Children entitled The Acronym of the Week, which is I-S-Y-I-C. I know this one. It's ignore Sarah. You're immediately castrated. Oh, <laughs> ah, yeah. It's a little, it's a little window on Josh's married life right there. <laughs> that acronym of the week was written by Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> that actually, um, yeah, that would be the follow up to that, which is <laughs> I'll see you in court. Ah. All right, so this was produced during the show's third season in 1988, and the episode was originally pulled from Fox's schedule due to conflicts between the show's producers and the network over its content. So I'm guessing it was a divorce show? No, it was it, – uh, the, the, it turns out, like everybody says, like it, the, the hype over it was very much overblown. It was an episode where, uh, where they decided to go to a hotel and 
they end up on a sex tape because they were being recorded while they were at the hotel and they go to court to sue the people and like they have to re and like the 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 big payoff joke is nobody believed it was a sex tape because it wasn't it didn't last long enough oh okay. yeah huh yeah 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 well it was better than death i guess yeah more death all right sports on june 26th the Houston Rockets selected seven foot six center Yao Ming, previously of the Shanghai Sharks, with the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. The selection marked the first time a player who had played neither high school nor college basketball was the top selection in the NBA draft. Upon entering the NBA, Yao instantly became a global icon given his large fan base in China, and he became the second rookie to be named an All Star as a rookie. Yao eventually played eight years in the NBA with the Rockets, averaging 19 points, 9.2 rebounds and 1.9 blocks in 486 career games. He retired in 2011, and he was named to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 2016. That was a big dude. Right? Yao is, Yao is so big that there is a subreddit called uh, Things Next to Yao or something like that. Yao <laughs> Next to Things, whatever it is. And like that always starts with a picture of something that looks giant, and then next to something else that makes it look small, and then that thing is next to Yao. It makes it look small. <laughs> oh, jeez. So... Was he the tallest NBA player ever, or uh, second? Yes, yeah, George Murison is the tallest ever at seven seven, but okay. he wasn't exactly like crazy mobile or anything. He was just kind of you know Manute Bowl and George Murison were both seven seven. Uh, oh, but Yao Ming was big, the first but... mobile, the, the tallest ever like mobile shooter. You know, like able to get around and run up and down the court. But even he ended up having to retire from you know ankle and knee and leg issues. I'm sure. All, all big men end up having to retire from that. Bill Walton was cursed with bad legs and knees and everything. Yeah. Well, when you're that big, I don't think you're really designed to. It's like, you know, they talk about if kaijus and things like that were real, you know, they wouldn't be. They, their legs would buckle under the weight of their bodies because they're just. Right. You know, yeah. Because you just exponentially, you know, you, yeah, your bones can't support that much weight because you exponentially yeah. grow in weight as you as you get bigger. It's not it's not like you, you grow a foot and you only add 50 pounds like, you know. You grow a foot and you're adding, you know, a hundred pound or whatever. You, you like your your weight grows exponentially the bigger you get. Well, that's yeah. like when um, Terry, the football player Terry, what's his name? He's retired long time. Terry he Bradshaw. Was on, Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, when he was on The Mass Singer, mm-hmm. the, they had him up on that staircase singing, and they had to have the other. He had help walking down the stairway. I mean, of course, yeah. part of it had to do with him getting slapped around on the games when he was a kid when he was playing. <laughs> but. That's sad, though. I mean. That, but I mean, as long as they enjoyed the game and got something out of it and had a good career, I mean, I guess. Well, I mean, the the, the, t- the tallest man in the history of the world, uh, Robert Wadlow, you know, he he ended up dying because of uh, foot issues. Was, yeah, like he. Well, I mean, technically, it was it, it was um, he had to wear special braces for his his legs because you know they couldn't support all his weight, and one of the one of the braces kind of cut into his foot and he got an infection and that ended up killing him. How tall was wow. he? Uh, eight foot nine and a half. Whew. Yeah, Jeep. he had a he had a size uh, like thirty three triple F foot, something like that. Good God! Yeah, was that a huge penis? <laughs> That's you know just what about saying. I mean, yeah, he he was like I, I think he was something like seven foot tall when he was thirteen. Man. He had a, he had a serious pituitary problem. Yeah. That had and that had to have hurt when you're thirteen years old. You're growing. Yeah, he, right? he, was, he was he was almost immobile by the end because like he, he just you know he couldn't get a, he had to use uh, he walked around like Brundlefly basically. Uh, moving on. Sorry. Yeah, that was an interesting little diversion there. All right, and also just to, to for the real quick uh, 
Fun note for the other side of the coin, the shortest person ever to play in the NBA was Muggsy Bogues at five foot two. I actually would have guessed it was Muggsy. Yep. I only know Spud Webb, but he wasn't that short. Spud Webb was like 5'7", I think. All right. John Francis Jack Buck was a sports commentator best known for his work announcing St. Louis Cardinals MLB games. His excellent play-by-play work earned him recognition from numerous sports, including the National Baseball Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame, and National Radio Hall of Fame. Despite suffering from lung cancer and Parkinson's disease, Jack Buck made his final mic appearance on September 17, 2001, when he read a patriotic-themed poem during the pregame ceremonies on baseball's first night back after the September 11th terrorist attacks. He died on June 18th of this week. You know, Len Bias was 6'8". <laughs> but Jack Buck is, is uh, as far as like sports commentators, he's, he's on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Who would, who would you put on the Mount Rushmore of sports commentators, Patrick? Harry uh, Carey. No, he, no. I don't, no, no. He would. Jack Buck, Bob Costas. Uh, oh, good call on Costas. Yeah, I mean, even though he's he's the end of his career was sad and pathetic. Probably Marv Albert and uh, hmm, I, the homer me wants to pick wants to pick a guy to... from Houston, but no, I, I, I in all honesty, I'd probably have to say like like Al Michael. Because John Madden, a lot of people would put up there, but I, I never, ever liked John Madden. So maybe Al Michaels, yeah. I mean, he is iconic, though. Yeah. Cool. And Al Michaels just for longevity. I mean. Harry Carey was iconic, too, but. True. But Harry Carey. Really, yeah. Harry Carey was great for many years, but but, but the, the last third of his career was was just, he was just a figure and a joke and everything. Like, he didn't, he basically didn't even call the games. He'd be on like. Oh, here's Robbie Jensen up to bat. And if the moon was, was made of spirits. Yeah, Harry, is that he, you? He was, he was born in the backseat of his station wagon. There's a triple. Uh, he was, you know, his mother. <laughs> <laughs> I love how it started out as a Harry Carey and right into Barney from Simpsons. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, are they uh, really not, that different? There's a, there's a little bit of overlap there, yeah. Uh, there is, there is. What, Josh? No, he was just basically saying the same thing. I was, yeah, a little bit of overlap, not much difference. Is what he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, not Harry Carey though. I mean, as much as no. his, he's got a long, long, long career. A lot of it was just he was gone <laughs> by the end of yeah. it. Yeah. No, I, I, I knew he wasn't like it. Just he's such a colorful, kind of iconic figure that. Yeah, he, oh, he was amazingly him. perfect for the Cubs. To be honest, I mean, he that would that was a match made in heaven. Anyway, yeah, play us off, keyboard Joel. Run out that, but out. Yeah. So that happened. <laughs> That's my Harry Carey doing the sign off thing. I don't know what that was. If the sign off were made of cream cheese, would you eat it? Okay. So the year is 2002, and David Jacobson, the director, decides everybody needs a movie about a serial killer. This is the one he goes with. Um, and like I said, directed by David Jacobson, who also did such things as Criminal, Down in the Valley, and Tomorrow You're Gone. Classics. All of them. Classics. Michelle Montagon? Is it Michelle Montagon, William Defoe, and Stephen Dorff? That's Tomorrow You're Gone. That's a weird leading cast. But also written, but uncredited, by David Burke, who did such other things as Gacy, Freeway Killer, Kiss and Tell, Kidnapping in the Family. Lots of TV movies at the beginning of his career also. In fact, right before this, everything he had done was TV screenplays. There was a weird time period in the early 2000s where 
the studios were cranking out these direct-to-video serial killer movies, and this is one of the better ones, but quite possibly the strangest one was the Ed Gein movie that starred Kane Hodder as Ed Gein. Who? Kane Kane Hodder. Who is that? Jason Voorhees. Jason Voorhees, yeah. Oh. Oh. He looks about as much like, uh, as he looks like, uh, you know, Ed Gein as much as I look like Ed Gein. Jeffrey Dahmer. Lee Malvo, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not a thing. Lee Malvo. Yep. Oh, all right. Look so we've got, anyway, this is a biopic. Ed Gein, though, was a very, very, yeah, I don't, well, yeah, you probably know the story of Ed Gein, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, uh, Rotten Tomatoes sitting at 73 critics and 40% for viewers. Biopic about the notorious American serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer taking place in both the past and the present. So thanks, IMDb. That's a great one right there. And we have a uh, pre-Hawkeye Jeremy Renner in this one, uh, which they had him do uh, play Jeffrey Dahmer because they said he looked like him and they couldn't get any other actors to play him. Everybody I'll else be honest him. with you, as an actor, I mean, I would... I, if I was like a professional actor, I would love to play a serial killer. I think that'd be like you get to be all kinds of things you never could be in any other role. I know. Right, right now you're just semi-pro. <clears throat> and this is the first time I ever saw Jeremy Renner. I'm method when acting I, right now. Is what I'm <laughs> when I when I saw this movie, I was like, man, huh? I don't know if this is going to be any good. I don't know who this dude is. And then by the end, of it, I'm like, oh, that guy might have a career. And then here he is. Now he's a hot guy. You know? Anyway, yeah. Moving on. First, oh, you're saying you saw this back in the day. Yeah, he thought okay, it was a biopic on Jeremy Renner. <laughs> where he's where Jeffrey Dahmer's playing Jeremy Renner. Yeah. It's really confusing. Right. So we've also got Bruce <laughs> Davison. Jeffrey Dahmer on the set of MCU just keeps trying to bite everybody. <laughs> as Lionel Dahmer, his dad, I, who you may guy. know as <laughs> Pew Pew. Senator Kelly from the X-Men movies. So that's where I recognize them from. Okay. Yeah, so between X-Men in 2000 and X-Men United in 2003, he jumped in and was like, yeah, I'll play the killer's dad. Black Widow, look out, pew, pew, pew. Oh, Bruce Davison? Yeah. Yeah, he's, I'm just saying around that time. That's like Josh said, that's the one where everyone's going to, if you watch this, you can go, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, that's like, I recognized him, but couldn't figure out from where until Mike pointed that out. So, like, I'm sure he's been in other stuff, but that's where I would have known him from. Yeah. So also have Artel Great as Rodney, the guy with the handcuffs in the very beginning of the movie. Along with this, has been in Save the Last Dance and Love Like Water. And Dianozo? Dianozo Bosco? Sound yeah, I'm not ready? sure how to pronounce that either. So. All right. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to correct or, uh, I'm just going to call him Dio. So uh, Dio here, along with this, has been in something called The Head Thieves, American Sicario, and Three's a Couple. Head Thieves. You've seen it? No, I'm just saying no. Head Thieves. Uh, Kate Williamson played Grandma. <laughs> Kate Williamson. I, at first I was like, oh, you know, I bet she's an old actor. You know, I better just need to dig. I'm sure there's stuff that I've seen her in. Uh, no. She was in uh, one episode of Police Story back in 1977. Uh, outside of this, like her second listing at the top of her IMDb is Grandma and Dahmer. So. She took a little hiatus. Yeah. Sean Blakemore as Corliss, David Manis as the shop steward, Lily Knight as mother, and Bo Clark as party kid. But he was uncredited, and the only reason I put him in here because he was listed as party kid 
and has starred in such things as Dark Wolf and The Revenant. Oh, Revenant was good. Yeah, that's that's a legit movie. Mm-hmm. I, I wait. You're talking about the Leonardo I, I don't DiCaprio think, I don't one, think or are you talking about the zombie one? I'm talking, talking about the zombie one. one. I'm not talking about the oh, Leonardo I'm about the zombie one. one. I, I withdraw. <laughs> the zombie like, one's good. I know he played a guy called the Hood, so I don't I don't recall that from the DiCaprio one. And I'm stuck on this Jeffrey Dahmer playing Hawkeye thing. <laughs> Thanos, look out! I'm gonna shoot you with my arrows. Pew pew. I wonder what purple flesh tastes like. Pew pew pew. <laughs> so that, here we see why doing an impression of someone that no one knows what they sound like doesn't work. Pew pew. <laughs> right there. Pew. All right. So some trivia. Uh, not got arrows. Tip the hat to that one a little bit early, but Jeremy Renner was cast because he resembles Jeffrey Dahmer and no other actors wanted to play him. Hey, I got a rule for you. Oh, yeah. What is it? Oh, big rule. Big rule. You're going to love it. Play Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm out. Yeah. But I did someone on Facebook. I will look up who it is. A commented that uh, they believe it was because Jerry, Jeremy Renner didn't know who Jeffrey Dahmer was and just thought it was like a murder, like a murderer type thing. I don't know the veracity of that, but I like the idea that he just signed on without knowing. It's possible. Uh, I mean, it wasn't that, I mean, <clears throat> hap- he got caught in 91. So, you know, maybe he wasn't aware of him if he's yeah, not true. into serial killers. I, but, I don't know how that's possible. That's like not into serial killers, not into listening to other people, the news, the television. Like, it, it's yeah. not like he was some obscure little guy that you had to be super into serial killers to know. Like Ed Gein. <laughs> Ed Gein has not been well known for most of his, most of, you know, yeah. for like you, the last 10 you, years, you. maybe. Yeah, Ted, Ted, uh, Ted Bundy and um, Jeffrey Dahmer are probably like the two most well-known serial killers. Steve Bridges on Facebook. Thank you for your comment. That's who it was. Yeah, Voodoo Stevie. Okay. <laughs> I don't, also, yeah, in a radio. scene with Jeffrey and his grandma, his grandma accidentally calls him Jeremy. Oh, Oops. I thought I heard that. Yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't was, notice it. thought I was crazy. Goes to show you the production value of this one, because nobody said, maybe we should reshoot that. <laughs> also, the crow, which Donner traps in a box at his grandmother's house, was actually a trained bird for film and television. It was not a wild crow. Uh, it oh. was credited in the cast as Edgar Allen. Oh. Edgar Allen Crow. Yep, Edgar Allen Crow. That's awesome. That's great. So it was my first viewing. <laughs> Mine too. Yep. Nope. This is my second viewing. Second viewing. and my last. Yep. I didn't ever plan on seeing it again, but when the idea for the show came up, because Dahmer is very relevant right now. Yes. Uh, it. Uh, it was a reason to watch it because uh, spoiler. When I originally saw it, I didn't love the movie, uh, but I like Jeremy Ritter. I was hoping for a better result this time around. Thought maybe it like it was like wine. The longer it sits, the yeah. better it. Uh, you never. Plus, know. I, I know a lot more about Jeffrey Dahmer now. You know, at the time, I didn't know as much. Um, I'm not sure that makes it better. Well, for accuracy purposes, or like. Uh, you know, things like that. It, it, it's interesting to see how close the, uh, you know, the actual crimes and testimonies and whatever get translated, like, or if it's just exploitation for the sake of exploitation, which to be honest, I remember this being a lot more violent and bloody and it really was fairly restrained, all things considered. I know with the R rating that it has, it, it did seem TV movie-ish. 
It wasn't. Yeah. It's wild because like there's a few, like it fails from an accuracy perspective. Like if you were to watch this movie without, with like pulling a Jeremy Renner, not knowing who a Jeffrey Dahmer was, you could walk away from this movie believing that Dahmer killed about three people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, also, of the uh, victims featured, at least one of them was a character entirely invented for the movie rather than an actual person. And he got the most screen time. Because, uh, yeah, that uh, Aunt uh, Rodney, not a real person. But he was supposed to be the guy who finally got him caught, wasn't it? Uh, but uh, that guy's name was Terry, I believe. Because, yeah, he's he's pretty explicitly, like, as the, the man actually was in the now, which we'll get to. But, uh, yeah, Rodney, I guess, could have been a mashup of a number of members of the black homosexual community in Milwaukee in the 90s. But, yeah, he was not even really based on any one individual. I, I think that's kind of was the intention of the writer. And since they weren't really telling the full story, they were just kind of doing a slice of life of a serial killer thing that they were just using him as an amalgamation of all his victims, which is a weird I got. choice, right? Yeah. I'm not saying also- I agreed with it. I'm just saying, I think it's what they were doing. Well, and I think it's a further weird choice because I don't think that there was actually a plot to this movie. No, yeah. Like I said, this is, this is more like a sl- just a straight up slice of life of a serial killer. Yeah, stuff happened, but there was no rising action, climax, falling action. Like I did not feel when the movie ended, I rewound because I was like, did I stop paying attention for a minute? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it had a very much like a naked in New York type of feeling where it just felt like it started and then it just ended, you know. There wasn't like a there wasn't a narrative beginning or end really. Naked in New York had a narrative. Shut your mouth. Yeah, not really. And That's like, one of the things you and I discussed when we watched it. You could make a case for, I, I don't know. This I, th- If you're going to be generous with this movie, you could say its pacing was deliberate. I, I would say it was tedious and just the side of boring, which is an accomplishment for a serial killer movie. Yeah. Well, and that's I would a, call it tedious, but I wouldn't agree with boring. Well, and that's a strange thing about this, is that if you go and you watch some of those other like the one on Richard Speck or the one on on Ed Gein that I mentioned earlier. They they really play up the violence more and it's a bit more kinetic, it's a bit more um interesting to watch, but it is very ex you know, very much an exploitation film whereas this one was trying to I think do something a little different and outside of the very end with the hands in the the uh guts thing failed on the exploitation angle. It failed on the storytelling and just kind of was like you guys said, it was just kind of like meandering and not in a good way. Cause you can have a meandering film and it'd be great, but this, yeah. It also seemed to be like a late nineties holdover when it came to how it treated, uh, it's subject matter, especially when it comes to, uh, Dahmer's relationship with his sexuality. Like I got, the idea that they were trying to like make it clear that, okay, he had some of his motive came from his repressed, internalized homophobia against himself, but it was executed so clumsily. It was a little like early nineties, aren't gays weird to me. Do you think that was the script or do you think that was, was Renner maybe having a, a say in it? Maybe he was uncomfortable with something. I, 
I, I wonder. I, I didn't know. read anything in the notes about him in like having any sort of input whatsoever. I mean, I don't think you'd take the part if you had any sort of reservations about that. Because I, I, I kind of read that as as an acting choice by Renner. He was trying to convey his own, you know, uh, Dahmer's own conflicted feelings about his own homosexuality. That's the way I read it. Yeah, but it isn't just the uh, portrayal of Dahmer. It's almost the way the the whole world, almost like low rent salacious view of the uh, of the homosexual community, which is weird because you get other things that are sanitized. Like for someone who lived in a bad area of Milwaukee, he had this giant upper middle class looking apartment, right? Uh, they decided that, well, we don't want it to look too weird that he's got love scenes with a 14-year-old, so let's make the actor playing the 14-year-old look 42. 42 going on 14. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And some of this is because I watched the series, and I don't think I'd be quite so hard on it if they didn't do such a better job with these particular aspects. Well, and that was something that really stood out to me because we we watched this after finishing the series because we had actually finished a series before we decided to do the show on it. Um, and that was the very first thing I noticed. I'm like, man, his apartment is kind of the opposite of what I was expecting. What I what it, in the series, that's what I was expecting based on where he was living. Yep. And the casting of uh, I forget the uh, the Laotian teen's name. Uh, Kamte, uh, you could see he looks 14 in the series and he looks our age in this. And, uh, yeah, he, he historically was not an adult. So I thought that was a very strange choice. Well, I think it probably, if I just had to guess, had a lot more to do with just logistics of having a underage child on your set for somebody that is trying not for, for a movie that is trying not to, you know, spend a whole ton of money. I'm imagining. Because right, there's only a certain amount of hours you can work when you have a, an underage kid on set and things like that. So Yeah, but this yeah. had a budget. Like, uh, it was compared at the time to uh, the 1992, I think, uh, like, My Friend Dahmer TV movie, which was low bro- budget, low rent. This actually had the budget to uh, shoot on location in Milwaukee. And, yeah, they, the- I mean... I'm still saying that there was probably some kind of logistics as far as like an underage kid, but I mean, they still could have gone with an actor that looked a little younger for sure. I mean, it wouldn't have been that difficult to cast a different person. I I will say it is kind of weird watching this and recognizing places because they did shoot it in Milwaukee. You know, some, I didn't even, well, I mean, some of the places that, I mean, the, the wide shots, that sort of thing where they have them walking around, they show the city itself. Hmm. You know, we've stayed in enough hotels and stuff. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't, Notice it. Yeah, I didn't either. Because oh. I, I wasn't looking for it until I saw the credits, and I was like, "Oh, they were in Milwaukee." <laughs> so I wasn't even looking. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie that I didn't hate this. I, I kind of like enjoyed it for what to- it was. I, 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 I watched them in order, so maybe that had something to do with it because I never watched things out of order. So, um, you know, maybe that I don't exactly know the entire Jeffrey Dahmer story. I'm obviously aware of him, and you know, but I don't, you know, so I wasn't watching this thinking about inaccuracies because. I didn't have any. I hadn't watched the other series first. So to me, I mean, it was more just me getting, I got kind of lost in Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner's performance. I thought he did a, an excellent job. And I would just, Oh, that he was the main turn the creepy up. Yeah. That was the main thing that kind of hooked me in this whole movie was just his performance. Uh, you know, as he was very good at being, you know, really 
creepy and very, you know, off-putting. And I get, I just kept wondering why anybody ever went with him to his apartment. <laughs> that is, but, you know, you absolutely sum it up. I mean, his performance is the one thing I don't have a criticism about, except like you say, it's very difficult to believe that he lured all of these people given the way he portrayed the character. But I mean, you have it to think about- It was the aviators. You have to you have to think about the the time in uh, place. You guys always talk about this and other issues. You know, I mean, it's a it's a sad state of affairs that, that that like you know back in the early '90s, like the gay community, especially in a city like Milwaukee, did not have a whole lot of outlets and a whole lot of whatever. It's, it's some some of it was just like, well, I can't be openly gay and find other gay people, and I have a choice of six guys tonight, and I'm really horny. <laughs> it's like, I guess I'm going to go home with this guy because, you know, I don't want to go home with the other. And you just kind of, one of those things, like, he's a little weird, but I'm going to have to risk it because there's not exactly a whole lot of choice. It's not like Grinder was around. It's not like there were a whole lot of bars. It's not like, I mean, so, well, I mean, like I said, especially in a town like Milwaukee, it's not like you're talking about San Francisco or New York where there's openly gay bars with, you know, hundreds of people in them and you can have your pick, you know, so. If, I mean, I mean if you. There were gay bars in Milwaukee, and yeah, yeah I'm not was. saying there weren't, but I'm just I'm, okay. I'm also you know, my, there weren't like still hundreds of people to choose from. I mean, fair. But if you listen, if you've seen, because uh, I, you know, I don't know a huge, huge amount, but I, I've done a lot of like research uh, since watching this and and deciding to do it. Um, you you and, don't want to say that too loud. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> they. He, they've said that he could be fairly charismatic and likable. Uh, you know, if you spend time with them, you know, you get to know him. You obviously realize that he's kind of and strange. Like, but. Let's just let's just not discount. Like, I mean, if you're a a, a semi attractive or even attractive person, you automatically just get passes on certain things in life. That's just how it is. Sure. And and he wasn't considered, you know, unattractive and he, you know, worked out and was in good shape. So, you know, he, he was went and he was dancing and he was doing his thing. So he he set up a pretty good uh you know, he was a pretty good lure on his hook, to yeah. use a fishing metaphor. Pat for the bar thing. I, I looked it up just because I was curious. The name of the bar was called Club Two One Nine. Opened in eighty one. Yeah. And was the biggest gay bar in Milwaukee until La Cage of Follets opened up in 84 and then didn't close until 2005. La Cage of Yeah, but uh, my point being, like, you know, the biggest gay bar in Milwaukee is probably still only like a 200-person venue at best. Yeah. Uh, yeah, your, your point about it not having a as large a community as a place like San Francisco is, is well taken. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Which I originally was hoping was a little bit older so we could use that as our as our uh counterpoint um but that one i think did a much better job of telling his story although it's his teen years based on the graphic novel from 2012 but and if also anybody's interested it's good. another devil's advocate real quick about him being uh, being successful with other men is you know it's just as someone who is engaged in in more than a fair share of one night stands there are just sometimes when you just go, okay, yeah, this person's a little bit, but you're like, I'm just going to have one night and go. So you, you're not thinking I'm going to go into their apartment and I'm going to get chopped into little pieces. Well, and that's a strange, the one strange thing, and you don't get it in this movie, but you get it in the, in the series, uh, is that, you know, these people were disappearing and it's not like, 
he was going out of his way to hit a bunch of different gay bars in the area. You know, he was kind of frequenting the same place or places. So I would think that would also be a little bit of a like, oh, hey, they left with Jeffrey last week. Haven't seen him since then. Huh? Well, you'd think so. But there was a reason why he plagued uh, specifically the minority section of the homosexual community. It was because deep down he knew that people weren't going to look too hard. And it's fucked up. But that's that's exactly what happened. I mean, it's the Albert Fish strategy, you know, are you fam- anybody familiar with him? Oh, yeah. He specifically picked uh, mentally retarded children to uh, capture and torture and eat because he, you know, he, he felt like they would be less missed. Jimmy uh, Savile. Yeah, same thing. Fucking twat. Yep. <clears throat> Little different story, but world is full of horrible people. Same, uh, same mo, just less murder. <laughs> but again, I mean, not not disparaging on the lifestyle or whatever, but there there is a lot of. Uh, casual anonymous homosexual sex in a lot of you know in, in, a, in a lot of gay culture i mean not every gay person is in it but there is a lot there's a definite subculture of gay culture that is about anonymous hooking up and especially back in the you know 70s 80s and early 90s you know before aids got really really out of control and scary it wasn't uncommon just to disappear with somebody and you know like well just look at the bathhouses yeah i mean you it, know it, 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 he was taking full advantage of socioeconomic and sexual, uh, not mores, but like, but, but yeah, not more like, <laughs> That's the uh, word I was thinking too. right. But just like the, the <clears throat> fact that he knew like some of these things, just the questions would not be asked. Uh-huh. Well, he was kind of the perfect storm in terms of his, his upbringing, his proclivities, his, uh, the place and time, everything just kind of all came together to create this horrible little pocket where he could do his thing and go undetected for long enough, you know, to, yeah, he, he became a perfect little urban predator for a while. Yeah. And what's interesting is that the more you kind of learn about him, it was less about the murder and more about just the fact that he was an incredibly lonely person that didn't want people to leave. And he wanted to be able to spend time with them and have them as his own. But the only way ultimately to do that, despite trying to, you know, turn them into zombies was to kill them and keep them around as a corpse, which turned into a whole nother thing. It's just sad. It's a sad story, but that's not the movie we watched. Right. And I don't know that sympathize with Dahmer is, is the intended takeaway. Right. Nor should it be. No, 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 no. He, but it was just something interesting that I learned over the course of all of this that, uh, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong, but I'm going to be returning to that point for, for the now. <laughs> oh yeah, I got a lot more to talk about in the now. Yeah, this, I mean, this there, movie there's is, a, yeah, there's a big difference between understanding and apologetics too. I mean, that's certainly true. So, anybody got anything else to say about uh, this little little film? There was a head in a box. <laughs> I got a head in a box. Yeah. Okay. I I was trying to. <laughs> I think was that the mannequin head? No. No, I don't. I don't know because there was well, no, no it, mess at all. It well, really was a mannequin head. They didn't actually go get somebody's actual head. And put well, it no, yeah, you know what? It, I, you know what? It I'm wasn't saying. Like, supposed it, to be because, and that's clear. If you actually, I don't know how far you got in the series. No, I, I've only got. I only did watch the first three. So, so yeah, you can tell which things were historical in some ways by which things are repeated. 
So was it was an actual head in that box? Yes, and that was it. Is was it the thing, wrestler? It was a thing that it? actually happened. Uh, well, yeah, no, was it, was it, it would have been his wrestler? second victim. Oh, huh. Interesting. Okay. Because I'm yeah, definitely going to finish watching it, you know. But uh, yeah, I'll get there. So all right. Yeah, the That's wrestler the would have been his spoiler. first victim, at, or hitchhiker. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the the head in the box would have been his second victim after he'd already been in the army and moved in with grandma. Okay. Oh, God bless his grandmother, man. What the heck? Grandmother man, grandmother man. (laughs) Jesus. That poor woman. All right. So I think uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Dahmer. What's the full title of the next one? Dahmer. Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer story. We're going to have that one come up in a little bit. We'll be back after the break. All right, we are back. Now we're going to talk about Dahmer Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Come on, From 2020. 20. Oh. Take it. Yeah, I was going to say, take it, Joel. Yay. Oh, uh, this one is, um, well, it's not in the notes here, but it's being done by, uh, I believe it's produced by Ryan Murphy. Is that right? Definitely a Ryan Murphy joint. Yeah, which... If you're not familiar with Ryan Murphy, then you've not been paying attention to uh, Fox. I don't know. He had a hand in, uh, did some Nip Tuck, uh, Glee, American Horror Story is his baby that most people know. Um, and he's he did uh, the Ratchet series that we did a show on not that long ago. Uh, for this 10 episode event series, mini series, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, their episodes were directed by... Five different directors, the first being Jennifer Lynch. Yes, that Lynch. Uh, that's David's daughter, who is a interesting talent in her own right. Well, she's got to be better just by default. Huh. How do you figure? Because David Lynch sucks. We've been over this. I didn't think I needed to expand on that. Uh, by just no, not you, being You know David. my opinion on David Lynch. I'm not quiet about it. No, I know. <laughs> then why did you ask? I was just trying to make an aside stupid comment. Thank you. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't meant to have this much focus on it. it was just- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make it awkward. Um, she Thanks. is known for Boxing Helena, which most people who are around in the 90s probably have heard of that movie if they haven't seen it. Uh, she had a movie called Surveillance, which is a... That was, the, a- that was the prequel to Million Dollar Baby, right? Boxing Helena? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, if you're going to read now for Mike, then I have to step in and be you for... For you. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, she's done a lot of TV lately. Um, that's become a thing for her uh, because she was doing films and then now she started to do TV and now she's done uh, The Walking Dead at one point, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, of course, the, she did the four episodes of Dahmer and she's been working on American Horror Story. Uh, there was two episodes directed by Paris Barclay who has done uh, some NYPD Blue, Cold Case, uh, Sons of Anarchy, is a producer for that stuff, uh, directed a whole lot of TV. So again, another TV person. Uh, Clement Virgo, I wonder if he was born in September or late August. Uh, he also is another TV guy, Greenleaf Empire, Rogue, um, The Listener. 
Doesn't sound like a very good show. Um, then we've got one of my least favorite directors did one episode. And after the episode ended, I went, I turned to Laura and I went, holy crap, fucking Greg Araki. I hate that douche. Uh, yeah, Greg Araki directed one episode, which. <sighs> who is Greg Araki? Yeah, I don't, I don't know who this person is and why I should be angry at them. Uh, he did the Doom Generation, Nowhere, Splendor. No, you, don't, you don't know the don't know Doom Generation? No. I was going to say, that, that's the only one I do know, and it wasn't very good. Yeah, he's he he's become a TV guy as of late, but yeah, I used to make like, quote unquote, you know, edgy, hip, like movies back in the early middle 90s. Um, typically had uh, James... Oh, what's his last name? James Duvall uh, was his main guy. He uh, kind of is the one that broke Rose McGowan into the the public uh, domain. I don't think I would like this guy very much. Yeah, no. I don't think you would. No, no style and not not much style substance. over substance. Yeah, I don't like yeah. him. Uh, like David then, Lynch. I I hate on him too. When, he, we, when I saw his name in the in the show notes, I was like, Bruh! as you should. Uh, then we've got to the last episode. Uh, we've got Carl Franklin, who is uh, actually an actor and a whole lot of shiz, but he's also done a lot of directing. Uh, Mind Hunter, uh, The Leftovers, House of Cards. I like The Leftovers and Mind Hunter. He also directed uh, One False Move, which was a, a fun little movie. Um, Nowhere to Run, Devil in a Blue Dress. Out of time, so I mean, he's he's got some 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 pretty strong credits there. Um, and he was in he was in a Smoky Mountain Christmas, so he can't be all bad. <laughs> on currently on Rotten Tomatoes is sitting at fifty two percent critic, eighty four percent audience. So I got that right, Mike. Yes. Okay. Oh, making sure you know what you know why I know this guy, Carl Franklin. Um, the throwback way back back back. He was Captain. He Crane. owes me twenty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Captain Crane from the A Team. He was oh. like one of the guys chasing him down. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That is going way back. Wow. Uh, the summary is story of the Milwaukee monster told from the perspective of the victims and police uh, incompetence that allowed the Wisconsin native to go on a multi-year killing spree, which eh, pretty accurate. Yeah. Well, is it though? I mean, I know I mean, Ryan Murphy said that he was going to try to tell this from the perspective of the victims and not from <clears throat> Dahmer, but well, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Um, playing the infamous Jeffrey Dahmer, we have one Evan Peters, who, again, if you are a Ryan Murphy fan, you already know him. Uh, he's been a member of American Horror Story from the very first uh, Murder House. He also plays. Uh, Wanda's brother, uh, Quicksilver, and he's the, the good Quicksilver. <laughs> he, uh, oh, do, you, uh, do you know that he was on The Office? He was on The Office as uh, um, Luke Michael Scott's nephew, right? Yep, his nephew Luke. Yep, who got spanked. <laughs> uh, he's been in some X Men movies, of course, being Quicksilver. Uh, he was in Kick Ass, did some uh, One Tree Hill. Uh, if you don't know Evan Peters by now, he's really starting to come into his own uh, as of recent um, and, and well-deserved, in my opinion. Uh, we have Richard Jenkins playing Lionel Dahmer, uh, Jeffrey's father. Uh, if you don't know Richard Jenkins, then shame on you. Um, he was just in a Nightmare Alley that we did a show on not too long ago. Uh, the Shape of Water, uh, Bone Tomahawk. Step Brothers. Is fucked up, yep. Step Brothers, which is <laughs> phenomenal. 
We quote that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, he was Nathaniel Fisher on Six Feet Under, the patriarch of the Fisher family. Ah, love him. Love Richard Jenkins. Uh, Molly Ringwald played Sherry Dahmer, who was uh, Lionel's second wife, um, which, again, if you don't know who Molly Ringwald is, I, I don't know how you couldn't, unless you were born like in the 90s. Um, she was in 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, For Keeps. She's just was a mainstay of 80s teen dramedies, um, and, and for good reason. And many, many boys, little girl next door crush. Yep. She also was uh, recently on, uh, did a run on uh, Riverdale, which we did a show on that as well. Moving on, uh, quite possibly one of the, the best parts of this uh, series, uh, Niecy Nash played Glenda Cleveland for seven out of the 10 episodes. Um, Niecy Nash, you may remember from a little show called Reno 911, perhaps. Uh, I brilliant. very rarely watched that, but yeah, I thought I recognized her. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, she, she's a very good uh, comedic actress, but, uh, man, she's got some chops. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great actress. Um, we have Michael Beach as Detective Murphy. Um, he was, uh, an Aquaman, Soul Food, uh, mayor of Kingstown. Again, one of those guys is character actor. You'd recognize him if you saw him. Uh, Col- Colby French as Patrick Kennedy. He was in uh, Gross Point Blank, which we like to talk about that, but he just played a bartender, so me. Uh, does a lot of TV work. Uh, not important. And uh, we have Michael Leonard. Leonard, excuse me, I forgot. I misread that. As Catherine Dahmer, grandma. Uh, she has been around for just forever. Um, Young and the Restless, General Hospital. She was on Scrubs, One Life to Live. She's just one of those actresses that, again, if you if you see her face, you'd know who she is. Um, she's been acting since 1961. And finally on this list, uh, Karen Molina White was Shirley Hughes. She was uh, in Lean on Me, Malcolm Minetti, The Proud Family. Um, so, yeah. All right. So moving on to some trivia. While many know Jeffrey Dahmer's name from the Dahmer family, his younger brother got little attention over the years. Named David Dahmer, Jeffrey's brother was six years younger. It is reported that it was Jeffrey who named his little brother when he was born. However, after the discovery of Jeffrey's crimes in 1991, and after he was convicted, David Dahmer decided to change his name and disappear from the public eye. According to reports, David graduated from the University of Cincinnati, Ohio, and has a stable career. He also reportedly has a family and at least two children, in an interview, his father said that David had legally changed his name and did not even show up uh, at the trials of Dahmer's case. I I mean, can you blame the guy? Not really. I mean, I think people who weren't related to Dahmer that had that last name probably had a pretty rough go of it after that. I don't even show I mean, up for my brother's birthday. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few names in history that, yeah, if you have those names, you might want to go ahead and change them. Adolf. Steve Hitler. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Steve. Bailey. Yeah, Steve, <laughs> Steve Hitler, you want to change his name to Peter Hitler? You know? <laughs> hey, Steve, no, you shithead. I, I think Joel heard that and Pat missed it. Yeah. Yeah, I did miss it. What'd you say? I said Whaley. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Evan Peters says that uh, they had one rule from Ryan Murphy uh, to follow going into the series that it would never be told from Jeffrey's 
point of view. As an audience, you're not really sympathizing with him. You're not really getting into his plight. You're more sort of watching it, you know, from the outside. And we'll we'll get to that uh, in a minute. And finally, uh, while in prison, Dahmer received more than $12,000 from letter writers around the world, according to prison records. One woman said she wanted to teach serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer about Jesus, so she sent him $350 and some Bible literature. Another woman sent $50 to Dahmer so he could buy cigarettes, stamps, and envelopes. And a 74-year-old nun sent $10 to reimburse Dahmer for postage on two art books he mailed her. The gifts were sent from as far away as South Africa and France and included a $5,920 donation from a woman in London. People are weird. So you're telling me that serial killing is profitable. It, <laughs> I, I will never understand this prevalence of women that just fall in love with these guys. It's yeah. like... If you if you don't need more of a red flag on a guy than he killed an eight fifteen people, mm-hmm. then maybe maybe you have more relationship problems than you know of. Well, you, know, you got to really be in the bad boys. I mean, well, but you're safe, you know, as long as they're yeah. in prison. You know. There's a difference between riding a motorcycle and filleting somebody. No, when, I said I didn't just... wanna, when I said I didn't want to get dumped by you, this isn't what I meant. Oh, see, Patrick uh, didn't mean the traditional bad boys. He means that if you like the movie with Will Smith, you're probably a serial killer. (laughs) Oh, shit. That's an indicator. (laughs) Joel, we've known for a while. Okay, good. Well, then we're fine. All right. So first viewing for everybody, I'm I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, I watched this prior to us deciding to do the show. Uh, Laura and I have been hearing good things about it, so we immediately took to the airwaves and um it was a it was a pretty quick watch to be honest should have gone to your computer or your tv instead <laughs> hey i told you i'm taking your place what? why we're back in normal now oh okay i guess i yeah. can retire I'll, I'll i'll stand down <laughs> <laughs> otherwise i'm gonna have to be you i don't want to do that <laughs> i got a bitch about everything that's not me that, well if you're gonna be me damn it catch up with this stuff hey what about this show yeah, but what, what are we doing? What, we what's watch. happening here? See, that's a good job you're doing. You're doing Joel really well with that. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny when we watch uh, some of these things, especially with limited free time and uh, just decided of an addiction to video games. Like, I'll watch the minimum I need to, like a couple of episodes to say, okay, yeah, I did this for the podcast. I found myself continuing to watch and wishing I'd started <clears throat> earlier, wishing I had more free time to finish because uh, I, I really enjoyed this. Well, and I'm, I'm going to get a spoiler here. Uh, I firmly believe that this may be the, uh, the best adaptation of a, of a story regarding a serial killer that's been put to film. Um, and, Evan Peters deserves an Emmy. Are you, you're talking about like a like a documentary style, not like a American Psycho doesn't qualify, right? Correct, right. Not a fictionalized character, an actual person who committed crimes and existed or exists currently. I I, I don't know if I would disagree with that. Yeah. Um. I and and the, I have to give Ryan Murphy, who I American Horror Story is kind of hit and miss with me. Like I want to like it, but I don't like all of it. Like there's some seasons I watched and some, I just, I didn't care, which more often than not, I don't care. Um, I, I kind of like the new series a little better cause it's, you know, ca- encapsulated, but the way he handled this with, there was no theme song. There was no real intro. There was no real 
I mean, there was sort of an outro, but just enough to give you the credits. But even that was minimal. The use of music was minimal. A lot of ambient noise. It just, I've never there's seen a, a show bells and wh- do that. There's not a lot of bells and whistles, which makes it feel much more uh, serious and intense. Yeah. It, it was pretty brilliant, to be honest, the way he handled it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. <laughs> it was strange because like it starts out and you get you get one title card with the, the Dahmer name. And then after that, every time this the, the episode starts, it just goes into it. And then all of a sudden you get a little bit of that that uh uh oh there it should have been in the trivia, um the music. Well, you're not exactly going to start off this thing with like the music from Newhart. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Like that. I mean I mean I think it'll it's definitely the less is better. The taxi uh, theme song kicks up. <laughs> that, I mean that actually might fit. Um <laughs> but you know it could have it could have easily turned into that. Like the, you could have given it that. But Nick Cave and Warren Ellis are the ones that did the the music, the what little music there was. Like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds? Yeah. Oh yeah. cool. So but anyway, um, yeah. No, I was just saying that I think in this situation the less less is more in this case, because I think if you're in this line of, if you're going to be, if you, if you lean too way, too much in one direction, the mu- music's going to be too like new hardish, you know, how, how far do you go before it gets not depressing enough? And if you go too far in the other direction, then it turns into like an unsolved mysteries type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, where you've got the dun 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 type of cheesiness to it. And you could go super stylized, but the intro to Dexter already exists. Right. And do you really want that? Right. Uh, I Jeffrey, don't Jeffrey Dahmer went on to become a lumberjack. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that the, the fact that there's no like theme song, you know, intro, all that crap. It 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 treats the story with the gravitas it deserves. Honestly, I I mean, this is a man. This is a man who killed and ate young men. I mean, he doesn't deserve any kind of you know. Uh, let's get into this with some levity with this, some kind of anything. Let's just, you know, let's just tell this story and show what a, what a monster he was. And that's a good transition to my main criticism. While I really, really liked this, I'm not entirely sure they were successful at their goal to never make it from Dahmer's perspective and to never portray him sympathetically. Agreed. I, I, I think that that is, it's a, stated aim that is a noble one that especially when you get into like the third fourth fifth episode was not entirely successful but i'm sorry you can't i mean it it, this may not be the politically correct way to talk about it or whatever but like a serial killer is by nature (laughs) 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 whose phone was that (laughs) It was not mine. <laughs> Somehow you triggered Alexa. That was yeah. funny. I don't have an Alexa, so it wasn't mine. That's awesome. And my Alexa's in the kitchen. All I have in here is Google. But anyway, like I mean, whether whether you want to admit it or not, a serial killer is like a, a urban hunter, as we said before. He's the person walking around the normal people looking at everybody like they're a victim. Like he's literally sitting there thinking, I could kill you. I could kill you. I could kill you. It's all those kinds of things. And he, and he's a person who has killed who's whatever, who's blah, blah, blah. If you tell a story about a serial killer, sadly, 
the truth is he's probably going to be the most interesting person in any of the interactions because he's a fucking serial killer. That's like a, an odd thing. That's a different thing. Like, and like, if you're going to tell the story of a serial killer, you can't not talk about the serial killer because he's, like I said, he's the most interesting person in the story. Sure. Uh, and, but that's the thing is when you explicitly say, this is my stated aim, I don't think it's out of bounds to criticize for not succeeding at that state of day. Yeah, for sure. And um, my, my point in that, in saying that is like, well, it's a foolish goal in the first place. Like you can't tell the story of a serial killer without making the serial killer the focus. I mean, it's just, you can't. Right. Uh, uh, though I do give them a lot of credit for um, giving an entire episode to Nisi Nash uh, and, and her character and giving an entire episode to Richard Jenkins as the father, because you get you get a lot more about the surrounding players in the story. And um, that was one of the big differences from the, the 2002 movie is that with this, while it was primarily about Dahmer, you got the outlying people and how it affected them and their stories and who they were. And how they all intertwined. And because you had 10 episodes to do that, it really gave you room to stretch out and get a feel for who the victims were and how they were affected by this one guy's, you know, narcissistic actions. Pat, for some reason, I don't know why this popped in my head, but you said do a a serial killer movie, but not be about the serial killer. It's like, I want you to do Taxi Driver, but not from the view of Travis Bickle. Right. Yeah. You know, you can't do it. Do it from it. the view of the taxi. Yes. <laughs> do it from the guy in the mirror. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to tell the story of taxi driver, but we're only going to talk about the taxi itself that he drives. You know, like, and so like when the new guy gets in and drives his eight showers, we're going to cover him. No. You see the taxi parked out front of the back. In the, in the back audio here. Are you talking to me? <laughs> are, you, are you talking to me? <laughs> Beep, beep. You just see him in the background through the through the window, <laughs> yeah, the window. miming the whole scene. <laughs> it, though, in the way of a sympathetic character, in a way, I felt really bad for his dad in this. I mean, if anybody in this that I was like, how how would you handle someone you can actually relate what, to? What, what is and how what you is would a, handle this? What is a parental responsibility when your child turns out to be a serial killer though? Like what did, what steps did you take or not take along the way that could have saved all these lives? And that's the question you can never really answer. I mean, right? the first one was the, the first one or the second where they said it was blaming it on his uh, hernia operation. Right. Yeah. That was the second one. That was the second right. one. But I mean, you, you can't really look at any one point. Well, how did the kid turn out this way? You can't, pinpoint one specific thing you know it's like oh why does the kid turn out to be a, a you know cannibal well well you know the one time we served him uncle joe maybe that might be it but nobody has any sort of like we gave him pinpoint in their life birthday yeah i mean there's a lot of of things you could point fingers at in terms of cause effect and reasons why he got away with it as long as he did you know there's a lot of different factors that play into again that kind of what i mentioned earlier about that perfect storm of a situation that caused all these people to lose their lives and just back then i mean you know even more so than possibly even now like if you had the exact situation that you had with jeffrey dahmer if you have two gay men having what appears to be a 
argument, a relationship type argument. And the cops are just going to be like, yeah, let's get the hell out of here as fast as we can. So they're, I mean, he knew that all he had to do was like make them uncomfortable and they would pretty much leave him alone. Well, and that he'd been sort of groomed to that experience. I know you haven't gotten very far in the series, but he has multiple contacts with police who had the opportunity to stop him. And they just constantly were like, you got your whole life ahead of you. We're going to let you go. And he almost got to the point where he just learned, hey, if I say there's gay stuff over there, I might just get away with it again through a combination of like, they are uncomfortable with my sexuality and uh, to use a loaded word, white privilege. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that, I mean, there was five African-Americans that were telling the police that, in, that this guy, this is something's not right here. There's this kid who's, who's bleeding that you're sending back with this dude that is clearly older than he is. You're not checking IDs. You're not doing anything. And you're trusting his word over ours. And it, you know, it's just. And, and they, they got the attitude of like, well, you know, you guys live in a crack house and, you know. He's, he's a white dude. so <laughs> Yeah. And like what Josh was talking about, where he was driving and had, cl- quote unquote, lawn clippings in the car and they didn't check the bags because he's driving at night and he's intoxicated. But, you know, you're 17. You got your whole life. I've had a, you know, go on, go home, quit doing this stupid shit, you know, could have stopped yeah. things right there with one person dead. And that was it. And I found it interesting that that was a historical moment in his life, as well as his dad, almost discovering the severed head, like moments away from doing it were both historical moments. You know, all it would have taken was just, yeah, you know, a, a little, little tiny nudge in the other direction and could have saved dozens of lives. Yeah. Like I said, I, not pointing any fingers at any one particular person or people. There was just a lot of things that, again, just kind of led up to this situation. Yeah. Um, and nobody's perfect. Like, uh, obviously, mom had her mental issues. Uh, dad was no prince either. Nope. Like, you get why he had some frustrations towards mom, but, like, he's pretty violent and dismissive in a lot of yeah. scenes. Did, did not handle it the best way, that's for sure. Yeah, right? And I, I felt, I was like, what the hell? Okay, mom leaves to go do her thing and doesn't come back. Dad leaves. And who doesn't check up on their kids for three months? You know, They're just like, oh, he's with his mom. Well, you don't call to say hello. You don't stop by even uh, just. Yeah. Now, neither one of those people should have been a parent, obviously, if, if that movie was if, if this series is true. Neither one of those people should have been a parent. That I think is entirely fair. They were not good at being married to each other and they were not good parents. Correct. And uh, also, I mean, just the the fact that, uh, you know, this the neighbor, and I don't think it was just her. I think they were, you know, kind of focusing on her. But there were other neighbors, too, that noticed, you know, the the smells, the, the odd sounds, the, you know, all the kind of red flags of things that were going on that just were kind of being ignored because of where. And again, you were talking about earlier about taking advantage of a situation, a place and time. Uh, and he did yeah, like, like if, if a Jeffrey Dahmer was, was trying to do this exact same stuff today, a cop pulled him over and had all those bags in his car. Well, he'd be caught. <laughs> or if they're smelling, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, sh- shit gets checked out nowadays and... because people are aware, people are ultra aware of, you know, 
the violence of, of serial killers and things back then, it was kind of, there was still kind of like that feeling of, you know, things aren't that bad, you know, like that, that now, now it's like everybody's aware of, Oh yeah, the world is pretty awful. So let's always check everything. <laughs> well, yeah. And Dahmer getting caught and realizing how bad it was is one of the reasons why it's, it would be harder to get away with now. 100%. He's the exact- I mean, again, again, to go back to what we were saying earlier. Yeah. He had the perfect storm as far as like the time and place and everything, of, of you know, to, to do exactly what he wanted to do. I mean, you couldn't get away with a lot of that nowadays. Well, just with the cameras and all that uh, alone, but, you know. But you're you're hundred, yeah. Josh is one hundred percent right that you know it's like because of this is one of the reasons. I I was impressed, you know. As I said before, I I was very because when I came into this, I wasn't sure what to expect, um, and I walked away from it just kind of shocked at how good it was, and it's like oh, okay, Ryan Murphy, you uh you you brought me back. Well, yeah, and we had our issues with the Ratchet series, uh, and I think that this was less salacious for the sake of being salacious. Uh, And, like, there are some issues with true crime as misery porn, and this, I don't think, maybe it's a little bit of the distance, how long ago it was now, where we're still of the age where we remember when it happened, but it wasn't like it was last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, it's just it's well done. I mean, it's it's not just something that was produced just to be salacious and murder porny. Uh, yeah, I felt like they handled a lot of that with with a lot of taste, and that was the, oh, that also there's a, there was a whole episode dedicated to uh, Tony, um, which was fucking heartbreaking. Um, I also thought it was interesting that they tied in, and I don't know how true all of it was, but the the stuff about Gacy um, and how they kind of intersected and I was kind of like, I, I didn't look it up to see how accurate any of that was, but that um, was an interesting little side plot. Cause I was normally, like, wait, did yeah. something end? <laughs> normally that'd be my job, but I didn't get far enough to fact check that. Ah, I didn't finish the series. I got about halfway through. Okay. There's yeah, there's, there's just a couple of, of references, but the, the, at the beginning of an episode, there's, it almost feels like they started a new show. And I was like, wait, did something end? Did I click on a wrong button? <laughs> what happened? Uh, but it's explained. There's no spoilers there or anything. But I highly recommend if if any of you guys enjoyed it enough to absolutely to, to finish it. Because it, it ends just like it begins. And Nisi Nash also deserves an, an Emmy. Just saying. <laughs> Does anybody else, while this was going on, remember when the newscasters were doing the things to watch out for on people like they they started doing these deep dives on what his behavior was like what i the only reason i say this because one of the things i remember is them talking about things like if they stand at the sink and eat that's a sign that they may be a serial killer what are you serious yeah i'm dead serious i remember because there was like they they did like it in the well as much as they could do back then or would do considering you know tv news what things to watch out for and what things to watch out for in case so-and-so may be a serial killer. They eat their meals standing at the kitchen sink. And it's like, while that was going on, I'm standing at home and I'm standing by the kitchen sink, listening to the radio, eating a bowl of cereal, looking out of the backyard. I remember my mom being like, yep, there it is. You know, it's like, I, I, I think knew it. <laughs> it's, 
That's why that tree's growing so good back there. Um, that's not a turkey carcass. <laughs> if they have uh, body parts in their fridge, that's a sign. If they yes, skulls and boxes, <laughs> that's a sign. But it was so. It was like it was like the more like super like innocuous stuff, like standing there and eating, or if they repeat themselves more than twice, or if you know, it just this stupid stuff that they were pulling out. And if they eat with their mouth. Yes, if they eat with their hands and put it to their mouth, they may be a serial killer. I was just wondering, that popped into my head, but I was wondering if you guys remember seeing any of that stuff from the news back then. No, but that totally sounds like the sort of thing that early 90s news would Mm -hmm. do. Yeah, I I don't think... I'm not saying you didn't hear it, because that sounds, yeah, like he said, that sounds exactly but yeah. Of course, my mom accused me of being a serial killer, but that's, you know... That tracks. She never did it again. (laughs) <laughs> wait a minute we all know your mom oh wait do we maybe she's not your mom hmm hmm if they hire people to play their moms they might be a serial killer <laughs> <laughs> how much is, how much do you earn as a parent i wonder I'm betrayal hmm. i'm at the right age now i could start taking up that that job so, yeah. all right sorry to derail no that's good i, I don't remember that so and it's just weird enough to be an interesting factoid. So uh, are we already there? Are we a thumbs up, thumbs down? I think we may be. Yeah, I don't want to push it too further for those who are going to go back and continue, including myself. Like, Joel could spoil it for me, and I could spoil it for Pat. I will just say one other thing, which is uh, Netflix dropped on the 7th. If anybody else wants to do a, a deeper dive like I did, Um Conversations with the Killer, the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes, which is uh, his confession that he made to the um, DA or whatever at the time. And uh, there's some pseudo reenactments of him talking and telling his story, but it kind of from his mouth, you can hear him talk about the things that you have seen in the series and find out kind of what exactly was accurate. Um and you hear him speak. Uh, if he really did, like words. you know, truly confess to everything and just be like, you know, okay, there's no reason to lie at this point. I mean, I will begrudgingly give him a little bit of respect for that. Like That's, at that point, if like you're if you're captured, you know, you're going away forever. Like, yeah, why not just be completely honest? Like, here's who I killed. Where here's where they are. Well, that's blah, blah, what blah. they said. That every every morning, the the lawyer said, you know, I, I advise you not to say anything, and he signed a waiver and said nope, and just went ahead and. Started spilling his guts day after day. I mean, once he's caught and they start finding skulls and, and bodies and bins and things, I'm like, you might as well be like, yeah, I don't think a lawyer's going to save me here. So he yeah. he knew he was boned. You know? Yeah, exactly. Was yeah. was the giant vat of acid a thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. That's on news reports. You can. I mean, look yeah, up he, the- he had he had all kinds of acid because he. I mean, the the whole drilling people's heads open and pouring acid in there. He really did do that. That's a real that, thing. That's that's kind of effed up, man. That's and he had yeah, big. He talks about it even in the confession tapes. He talks about having the big barrel that he bought. Uh, that he was, and he had a uh, one of those um, giant cooking pots, like a restaurant grade, like eighty gallon uh, stew pot, pot. like stock like, pot, yeah, for a stove that he was you know boiling down. And then he oh. would dump the the remains down the toilet and flush it, and then keep the bones. Woof. Yep. All right. So, uh, want a thumbs up, thumbs down? I'm ready. Yeah. Look at the bones. <laughs> All right. So, surprisingly, on this one, Joel. 
Uh, for Dahmer 2002, I give Jeremy Renner a thumbs up, but the movie a thumbs down. And for Dahmer, uh, thumbs up 100%. Josh, how about you? Uh, mine's pretty similar to Joel. Like, I, While I like Jeremy Renner's performance, uh, I, I got to give a thumbs down to 2002 Dahmer. And a pretty enthusiastic th- thumbs up to uh, the uh, new series on Netflix. Patrick? I mean, I'll, I'll give a thumbs up to the first one simply because, I mean, Jeremy Renner's performance obviously did carry it, but I didn't hate it enough to give it a thumbs down. It was, and I, again, I, I think the fact that I didn't watch the other one first helped with that. I probably would have liked it a lot less if I'd seen the other one first and a clear thumbs up for the now. All right. Um, I'm giving them both a thumbs down. This is just not a genre of movie style that I like. Uh, it's. I mean, I understand it's a thing that happened. It's more, it's a biopic, that sort of thing. But I like my horror movies to involve monsters, to involve supernatural things, to involve aliens, that sort of stuff. When it gets into like hostile or when it gets into those type of where like hostile, you look at it and you go, that could really freaking happen. And then you go to something that actually did happen this horrendously. I don't, I don't like watching that. I mean, this was not, I, I, you like your horror to not feel realistic. Exactly. That's, that's my whole premise of going to the movies. If I don't go to the movies to watch movies that are based on real life, because I'm going to the movies to get away from real life. That's my whole, my whole theory on it. But this one really, I just did not, it's just a genre that I do not like. So I have to give thumbs down, thumbs down on both of these. I watched them both. I did you, didn't do you dirty, Joe. Oh, I watched them both. And <laughs> Did not, was not, you know, I felt, I felt like I needed to take a shower after every episode. It was just, you know, humans hurting humans for that sake is really not something that really tweaks my brain weird. Fair enough. All right. Well, if you have your thoughts uh, about the, uh, either of the Dahmer films or anything else we've done so far in October, or you want to give us an idea for a future show, you can let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And if you're looking for our back catalog of shows, you can find them on your favorite podcast apps, such as Blueberry or Pandora. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear about us. So give us some reviews on stuff like Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts. And you can support the show through the coffee link in the show notes and help us pay for internet fees. Joel, what's coming up? Internet bees! Um, so for the last two episodes of October, uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the Omen, which I know Patrick is very excited about, and I'm sure Mike and Josh are as well. Um, and then when a stranger calls to, you know, appease our caller earlier, um, cause I'm afraid of what they might do if we don't watch it. So <laughs> we have to check the children. I'm going to make that your, uh, make that the ringtone for my phone when you call me <laughs> Pat. Why don't you check on the children? <laughs> you know what? No, I'm going to make that my mom's ringtone. Now, the podcast is coming from inside your house. <laughs> Did, yeah, every time you about, call your mom, have you checked the children? <laughs> that's what she needs. <laughs> that's like the time I changed Suzanne's alarm clock noise to the girls calling her. Oh, God. Oh, you want wow. to see somebody wake up fast. <laughs> having 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 your daughter's voice going mama help me that's <laughs> oh my god that's awful but that's brilliant. a joke you only do that once yeah. yeah yeah then you go to pat then you go back to josh's uh acronym of the week <laughs> right I was, I was about to say the same thing then you get castrated yeah 
But either way, thank you everybody for listening, and we will be back next week. All right. Sorry about my voice, guys. No, you're fine. We've gotten used to it. Yeah, yeah, we've been dealing with it for years. (laughs) (laughs)